Yeah. All of a sudden, everybody who everybody who's anybody who either wants to be able to volunteer in the schools or needs to work inside the school system is like saying, "Put me in, coach." I'm like, oh dear. <laughs> And a lot of parents now are, like, I'm starting to see that, like, a lot of parents, I think, are starting, some of them are going to start opting to have their kids do homeschooling. And I don't know that because I'm not in, I'm not the part of the department that, that handles that kind of thing. So I'm having to transfer into HR because that's the best I can do. Mm-hmm. And I feel bad for the people because they're going to probably not be able to officially get it going. And we're we're back for another episode of the Anime Foral Podcast. We are now reviewing episode 107 of My Hero Academia. The title of the episode is called "More Than a More of a Hero Than Anyone." And I guess before we get on with this, we're gonna do what we normally do. If there's anything changed within the stats on this podcast, so far I think we only had one bad week. What? What are the stats, stats, Jeremy? I I don't know. I have I, I got to get in there first. Eighty nine in the last three thirty days. We're up eighty one percent than previous. Again, we're off to a really slow August, but that should change because it looks like. In the middle of July, we had a huge burst, but that probably was happening during that. I forgot what I forgot what was even happening during that. Maybe maybe it was the tournament arc. I don't even know. It was one of those things. But uh, yeah. The fall of Rome, maybe. What? <clears throat> the fall of Rome. that happened it I mean I include the frappy and of course you say that uh, we're still doing pretty good and there's bigger splotches in South America than there were before um, there's like actually a big old splotch in like the east part of the United States now really it's spread out though but I don't think we were in Chicago last time, but certainly some people downloaded us in Chicago. So hello, people in Chicago. There's some people in Wichita, Kansas. Oh, I was born in Kansas. Hello, Jock's biological mom and father. <laughs> my mom lives in Rhode Island. My father lives in Indiana. But I'll tell him that he said hi. Uh. Wow, I think that's the closest like, download I've ever seen to Los Angeles. Oh, it's in Ontario. What? Ontario, California? I learned something new. Uh, 
Okay. Well, that, I think that's about new. What's going on in South America real quick before we move on? Jeez, like the eastern part of like... These... I mean, I know South America must have English-speaking folk down there, but I didn't expect there to be that many. Wow, we are really blowing up in Rio de Janeiro, though. Hey, Rio! And that looks about it. Uh, we're still dueling the same in the European country. Which is to be expected. I guess we got that one viewer in Bangladesh. That <laughs> I swear, you find out that that was one of your friends. going to be so like, how did they find out you were doing this? One day we will somehow appear in Australia. I'm not sure when. One day, I believe. Uh, yeah, we're doing pretty good. I, I, we're like, I mean, we're not... Upward growth isn't all that great, but it, we're still doing good. Yeah. Yeah, no mm -hmm. real complaints. So I guess I'm with that... Hmm? I'm excited about it. I'm glad that people are listening to us. I'm a little weird out there listening to us because I didn't think anybody would even want to listen to me. <laughs> I'm happy regardless, but you know, it's one of those things you never expect, you never expect until it happens. Mm -hmm. Okay, but with that, we're going to talk about the episode that came out last week. Uh, more of a hero than anyone. And the crux of this episode is really going to just be, uh, be about Shirakumu, which by the way, I, w I checked this out because I wanted to make sure, but his name was definitely dropped much earlier on. And it was during, um, it was actually during that episode that we reviewed, uh, that I complained about, uh, why would they gonna drop something from Azawa's past or they're not gonna talk about it? Well, they did here in a little bit. Actually, awesome. I also found out that, um, they actually talk about this guy and have show you the events that happened in My Hero Vigilante. And I'm gonna read the chapter at some point. I should have read it before for today, but I didn't because things happened that we weren't, you know, exactly. Things just didn't go as planned because you know, things happen, life happened. <laughs> but um, so that all my notes that I have here, uh, past all the uh, recap stuff, we uh, return to UA. Ida is pretty much suggesting that everybody show off what they learned during their. Uh, they're very fast uh, uh, work training programs that they were a part of during winter that happened during the winter break. Um, I will as say I would, they, uh, they did pull back. Remember my big criticism was that he learned it too fast? The Black Whip? Yeah, the I mean, I wrote that down here that they commented on how fast he learned it. <laughs> and also I that did, I it's did, a... I just commented about it. I'm just saying that they did pull back a little bit this episode and say... He's using it, but he can only use it for a few seconds. So they did have a limitation. It just didn't seem like it in that moment. But it's nice to know that he's still not able to, like, maintain it for a long time. And there is, like, something to progress with. He didn't just, like, master it overnight. I mean, I don't... 
I don't think it was meant to look like he had mastered it, and I didn't look like he totally. Looking back on it, it doesn't really look like he mastered it too much, if he mastered it at all. Because all he really he he. That's not really mastering it. Cars in the air, and gently put them back down and saved everybody without any apparent big effort on his part. That seemed pretty masterful, but now we know that he couldn't have sustained that ability for a while. So that's kind of cool. Kind of cool that there was a limit to it. You know, a big limit. You know what I mean? Like a, a beginner's level limit. So I was happy to see that. Yeah, no, but I, I still stand by what I said. It's like, even that, like, I, I mean, I, 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 like, it's not that I hate that idea. I'm just saying that it just seems like to me, it's all, it's all, like, if he had sort of grappling around with it, maybe that would, that would, that would have been too far. He, all he really did was grab a couple of toy cars and place them down on the ground. <laughs> He didn't really do much, in my opinion, that would have been worth. Yeah, well, I still think even a beginner hero could have done that. I mean, they're, they're, like on top of that, like, he, like from the, from, if I remember correctly, it wasn't like he jumped up in the air and they immediately came out. He had to like concentrate because he talked about how him using Black Whip it was like how he had to use Delta Air Force. I think he's still trying to learn to control that because all he was doing is trying to learn how to use it without without thinking. Right. Well, I felt like this episode redeemed it a little bit. That it seemed a little more realistic. That he had such a short time load on it. I felt better about his sudden improvement knowing that he still had some work to do. I guess all, all I know is like that right there has just told me that now we're going to be focusing on the next quirk that's going to pop up. However, mm-hmm. it does pop up. Because even even him just learning and training still, he's gonna have to get the other powers if he's gonna have any, if he's gonna have anything, if he's gonna be able to deal with Shigaraki. But we'll get to that part of it actually later on in this uh, episode, uh, this review. Uh, backing up a little bit, uh, Ida suggests to everybody show off what they're capable capable of after the training. Uh, the first shoot, uh, shoot um, Aizawa Kasi comes barge again saying, hey, everybody stop talking, but they're already um, on the way out, showing that there's some improvement towards how fast and how quick they are thinking about the, the next steps of, I guess, other, um, other careers being a hero. Mm-hmm. That kind of shocks Aizawa, but before we move on from there, Aizawa gets called away um, to the principal's office, which is kind of funny. Uh, I thought that was ironic, because he kind of walked in there with his sleeping bag like he was sleeping somewhere. Um, right, we, we cut away to the girls' uh, girls' locker room, and uh, to sum this all up, as uh, has a All Might keychain, uh, Pinky blows it out of portion because she thinks it has something to do with Deku, which probably it does a little bit. I mean, there's no way it just, there has the way she like the way but, she like James Bond's James Bond dove across the room to catch it and hide it. Was, but, but I, mean, I, I think a little bit it has a little bit to do with Deku, but I don't think it's all of Deku. Because I mean, she she's just keeping it safe. Because I mean, I guess in a really weird way, she she looks up to All Might too. Funnily enough, which actually we'll get to All Might too. That is actually kind of sad so and I funny. Think ever mentioned looking up to All Might before, and in a way that's special over anybody else. I mean, everybody looks up to All Might though. Like that's just one of those things. Some yeah. some heroes actually have other heroes that they admire, like Kirishima and and uh. I almost called him Red Gauntlet. I forgot his name, but uh, Crimson Riot? Yeah, Crimson Riot. Uh, let's see if you, I have it on here. Now it's the fast training of the Black Whip and limited uses for right now. P- 
poor All Might. Um, as they're walking to, as they're walking to the, I guess, uh, the Gamma stage, they, uh, they essentially are walking and they, uh, they, they happen to pass All Might. And he, at first, I thought it was really weird that he was just sitting there stirring cotton candy, but um. I think that's actually what he, what he was doing. There was something that's kind of common in, Jap in Japan in terms of how they like to do humor. Um, I think the same syllables were present for where, when he says, I am here. Uh, the, I am here with cotton candy. And he's just like, what? Ah, <laughs> I just thought it was just, I just thought it was, you know, it, it was funny, but I also started feeling sad because like it, you really see where All Might has like fallen. Yeah, he's just the extras. When Azawa can't be there for his class, they call on all night. It's super sad, but it's funny how, as sad as it is, it's funny how there's still people that look up to him, like Endeavor. Midoriya looks up to him just as much as he ever has. Endeavor looks to him as like the standard that he has to rise to, and still goes to him for advice, as kind of a respected colleague. Um. His peers still respect him as an accomplished hero. Even, you know what I mean? Even though, like, someone like Eraserhead is, like... And I get what you mean. I, I, I was just saying, I wasn't say, I wasn't really saying any of this to diminish All Might, because he's done a lot, clearly, and they're yeah. going to respect him until he dies. When they when he does pass away, there's going to be a big memorial. There's going to be a big old fuss. But I just say, like, where he's right now, it's just sad to see that he's just... He's a, he he's, was, a, yeah. he's a substitute teacher now. He's not even a teacher. Like, like, it, it's it's just said that he's got to be subbing in for Aizawa now when that wasn't never the case before. Yeah, and he's just there stirring cotton candy, trying to trying to ease the mood. Yeah, and, and it's he just like, like windbreak around and runs a couple laps to try to like keep his health up and stuff like, like a spry sixty-eight year old or something, you know. I just thought it was just really. I, I at first I thought it was just weird, but then I started feeling sad because it just shows where he's at right now. He can't. It's he also can't a constant reminder of what they have to lose. You know what I mean? Like it screws up your body, like being a hero. And you you see some old guys, like you know, like you see uh, Grand Torino, for example, who's like he, he's old and wise, and like he probably made it through everything, like without too much damage, but like you see a lot of people that are just ripped up, you know what I mean? Beat up or tortured or scarred in some way. And it's it's a continuing theme throughout all of like My Hero Academia. Like you have, you see it a lot with Endeavor and you see like the price he's paid for his heroism that like he's kind of sacrificed his family. You see it with uh, Lemillion having lost his quirk now and you know what I mean? And kind of being like a young All Might in some ways that he helps because he's got this hero spirit, but he doesn't have the tools that he used to have. And I know we're not quite ready to talk about it yet, but um, you see how uh, you see how Mike and Eraserhead are both um, kind of like sacrificed a friend too. You know what I mean? Like some people have sacrificed their family, some have lost friends or sacrificed friends. Um, you saw one of the students lost their brother, you know what I mean, recently, and that was the sacrifice, like, death and loss of family members and trying to carry on the legacy. Like, there's a lot of pain, um, physical and mental and emotional and external and things like that that comes with this job. And 
it's sort of a solemn background tone to everything, you know? Like, you have these people that are, like, light points and everything, and you have people that bring you up just because they're so heroic, but, I mean, you see Eraserhead cry in this episode, you know what I mean? His eyes open, just tears streaming down his face because they're all sacrificing something, and for what it's worth, Eraserhead has scars on his face, too, under his eye and everything else. Like, they're beat up, you know? And you might end up like All Might. He's kind of a reminder of, like, where this path might end, you know? If you, if you, even if you live, you might just, you know, be good for as a super substitute teacher with cotton candy at the end as opposed to this almighty hero. Yeah, poor All Might. But I guess since we it's already... It's part of the mix. It's part of the mix of the ambiance of this anime. Like, they have lighthearted moments in the comedy, and they get serious and dramatic, but there's also this long, long consequence of it. I mean, speaking of dark, we're going to start getting into the dark portion of this episode. And, uh, spoiler warning, it doesn't get any better from here. And by that, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't get any light, more lighthearted from here. <laughs> um, if, you, if you're a fan of, if you're a fan of edgy, if you're a fan of edgy stuff, then this is where things are getting it really dark. What was that? I got to see Froppy in the locker room. That's purse or all the happiness just stops right there in the locker room. That was all the happiness I needed. I just sailed through the rest because of that. Okay, continue on past all that. And she had such a nice butt. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> uh, but moving on, seriously, like, uh, he brings up a racer head and, and, and President Mike. Um, any episode that has more President Mike in it, I'm happy because, like, I feel like he doesn't get used a lot. And I feel like he's a really good hero. Basically, he's power base alone. But um, we see President Mike is at with Azawa now in the car driving someplace. And for the first time in the entire anime, President Mike isn't wearing his trademark smile. Uh, actually, he looks like he's trying to smile, but he's also showing he's really concerned. He's like he looks like he is constipated from wherever they're going. At this point, like he he kind of like Azawa kind of like starts noticing like man, you, you need to calm down. Trying trying to tell me to calm down, but like yeah, this is like one of those parts of the show we start seeing other sides of other characters that we normally don't see. I mean, I take that back. We did see President Mike not really smile during when he when he claimed there was a meeting they had when he he was the one that claimed that there's a traitor amongst them. But yeah, I mean, this is the second time we haven't seen President Mike smiling. Or just like grinning, you know, or being like uh, the, the person that he normally is. We cut away from them driving to the prison where we are uh, pretty much greeted with one of the police officers that works with All Might, I believe. I think that's one of I think he's one of them. And uh, apparently, it's the, they are, um, we get caught up to why they're here. And they're here uh, because uh, Kuragiri. Uh, we forgot all about him because he got caught in season two, I think. We never saw him again. But they also just start describing it. They start putting things into place about. Uh, and I think this is kind of where Jock's theory that that the war, civil war, could be a bunch of no moves, and everything I said kind of just goes underwater because uh, we learned that Kuragiri is a no move, uh -huh. an intelligent no move. Uh, at that, one that's capable of speech, which is odd. I never even considered him being a Nomu. I don't think anybody could have would have considered him being a Nomu. I was so annoyed with myself that if we saw a Nomu that, like, was like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, we saw a Nomu that, um, 
would talk and fought with Endeavor. I'm like, I don't know why that didn't strike, like, come to the front of my mind when I was when it came up because I was like, yeah, that's actually a fairly intelligent, capable Nomu, like able of capable of a low level, so be it, but like a decent amount of independent thought. I don't know why that didn't strike my mind when we were debating that, but it's such a clear like pretense for all of this. There's actually a scene with the show where and uh, he's there and he and then a racer shows up. He actually looks at him strangely, which I don't even remember that was even in the initial original re, uh, like anime. I, I would have to go back and look at it just to see. But mm-hmm. um, it's odd that there was a Nomu in our in in our face the entire time, and he was intelligent enough to provide his own thought process. Well, I guess can, the thing that talk about the fact that they can also apparently raise the dead. I still think that he's here. Here's okay. I I have I have opinions about characters we don't know about, um, you know, and they're presumed dead until otherwise. I don't think he's dead because I don't think you can raise the dead unless you're all for one. And even then, I don't think all for one can just raise the dead. Something, something about something about all this is, this strikes me oddly. Um, I mean, he could be dead because it keeps because keep on saying he's dead. Frankenstein story. You know what I mean? Like where Frankenstein came up and he was kind of a monstrous version of himself. This feels like a Frankenstein, like that they cobbled something together and that was just the body that they worked worked with to get started. Because I still don't, I don't, I just, I don't know. It's like, either he's not really alive and there's something else going on there, or I don't know. So I, I still, I don't have proof that he's still alive, but at the same time, it's still, because even like, the, the thing is like, if he is just a dead body, there's no way that Izawa could have gotten through to him, which he does here when we see uh, Kirigiri for a split second lose himself and we see the image of his, you see the head of, well, half the head of his childhood friend. And, he, and he's like staring back at him, like almost like he is fully alive, only for it to be snapped back to, and Kurigiri to take it back over again. Yeah, like there was something, there was sort of like part of a soul or something going on in there that like could hang on and like interact with him. I just don't know. I, for me, I don't know. I really have a hard time believing that he's dead in there. And I would not. That's not I have a hard time believing that they could just raise the dead like that. Cause it kind of makes you think: is like how many other people in in the hero's world died and just they didn't. There was nobody out there attempting to try to bring them back to life. I understand the the line of question with all the other crazy things people can do in this universe. Would you ask? Is it really out of the question with all the things, that, other things that people can do in this universe? No, I mean, not really. I'm just like I'm just saying. I, I'm like I'm trying to. So let's let's. Take I, I can't I can't explain Kirigiri, and that's that's what I'm stuck on. I can't explain him, and that's Listen, kind of the weird we, thing. What if we take things that already exist in this universe? What if we take the fact that they had access? to some sort of processed version of Horn Girl's power. Remember, and didn't they kill her and bring her back a few times? 
Who? I think they've already raised the dead. Like, I think they killed the horn girl a few times and brought her back. Who? And that was part of it that they pushed Horn girl? Who are you talking about? The little girl with the horn on her head that can that can turn back time. Oh, I don't... Well, I, I think, think he did say he killed her. her. many times and brought her back. Well, that was him reconstructing her near death. He, he, I don't think she really died. I think he said he did it to the point where near death and brought her in and re returned her back to her original state. It might have been, but it's also not out of the question that she could bring someone back from the dead because she effectively kind of turns back time for them. So it's not out of the question. I'm not saying it definitely happens, but it's not out of the question that she might be able to do something like that. If she can reverse everything else, she might be able to. I don't know. I, did, like, I, think, I think there has something to do with like the laws of like reality. She's capable of warping that kind of thing. Not saying she be. couldn't, but I'm just saying that they haven't established it. Yeah, I understand it, but it's uh, what I'm saying is it's it's not really radically different than some of the stuff we've already seen. Someone breaking someone down to nothing and recreating them, or um, you know, being able to turn back time and reverse damage and stuff like that. It's just a little bit farther down the road than that. So it's not impossible that they would find a corpse and be able to. It's not proven that it's possible, but it's not outrageously impossible in this universe. That they couldn't turn a corpse back if they can do all those other things. No, I understand all that. I just, I don't know. For me, it's like unless I see the death happen in front of me, I usually and it's it's just usually TV show like law. If they didn't die on camera, they didn't die. And as far as we know, he didn't die on camera. And by that, I mean he, we we didn't see an episode where he you know where all this was happening in real time and he died. Because like I mean, it's just one of those things I don't really know. And it's for and this Nomu, this Nomu that Kirigiri is, isn't like a typical Nomu either, because like apparently they combined a couple of quirks together just to get him to be able to do teleportation. Yeah. And we still don't even know what Ouroboro was capable of before all this happened to him. Because he said that Kirigiri and him have have this have a similar quirk. So it's like, what was what was he capable of? We never saw it. I mean, he could be dead, and they did definitely resurrected him, and that's that's all we can go for right now. I just kind of find it weird, to me. It's like, it's a radical teaser, though. Like, not exactly how far this goes. I mean, looking at him actually here, he kind of looks like a Nomu if you really, really look at him, stare at his face enough. Because even like even Bakugo brings to the fact that there's a mask under all that darkness that he has there to protect him from physical attack. I thought that was just cool that he found that out, but it kind of makes you wonder, like, what else did we discover during that altercation with him that we thought was just something that they were just showing, uh, just showing off another character's ability to think. I guess speaking of other random teasers, we found out where Eraserhead got his trademark goggles from. Ouroboros gave it to him to protect his eyes while he's like, when Eraserhead's using his ability to erase quirks. But yeah, another thing too. We also see another side, like a dog brought up before. We see uh, Azawa break down into tears for the first time. We've uh, he was brought to tears here. Typically, Azawa can never is never that emotional, but he's emotional here to the point where he actually like covers his mouth like he's about to barf because he's sick. And then too, he ends up crying here, trying to break through to Kirigiri to figure out if it's him or not. 
this, this entire altercation was very disturbing. It's probably the darkest that my hair has gotten up to this point. They gotten dark in other places, but like here, it's like, geez, things have gotten really concerning. We also learned about something else about uh, Azawa that we didn't know, uh, and I also didn't even think the question. Uh, the, his whole failure, his whole expel expelure rate. The main reason why he ex actually technically expels students is because he doesn't want people to end up like his friend did in that in that uh, hero work that he did and get killed. But actually, it goes a step further. He asked for permission to be able to enroll students after he expels them, effectively constituting a death. Which I thought was kind of like an interesting thing. It kind of leads to the whole like the the hero like being a hero kind of leads to what Jock said like being a hero kind of leads to you losing things. So in a real way, in a really odd and caring way, Aizawa was trying to help the students realize that being a hero isn't a game, and then gives them a second chance right afterwards. How do you feel about the fact that here we have three heroes that stick stick by each other all the way through school? Um, we have like a dark-hearted, dark one. We have kind of a light-hearted one, and then we have like this like glue one right and then we have three main heroes that the series has been kind of putting together a lot lately with bakugo todoroki and midoriya um do you think that's an accident or a coincidence or do you think that maybe the story is kind of building a little parallel there like between the three of them because they've been kind of like really focusing on these three as pivotal you know what i mean that like these three are going to be the ones that kind of like are the cavalry you know the reinforcements the the thing that's going to make the difference and get them through this because they don't have enough numbers and you have um you have a racer head like who's especially taking them under their wings you know from day one of the class he was like the one that kind of like was in charge of um bringing them through all this you know what i mean and, and here he has like a situation where if one of them goes it's like reliving this thing that happened when he was a child that seems to be his most painful memory i think it's a coincidence but i don't think it's a coincidence with the way Azawa treated deku at the very beginning because actually uh, deku and oboro kind of look almost similar <laughs> It's actually kind of odd, not even just in look, just also in their ideal ideology. Our bro wanted to be a hero no. more than anybody, and so did Deku. Three is not just that though. Like we've seen three come up in other situations too. We've seen um, the senior class had three people, and now Lemillion's kind of knocked out of it. But we still have the angsty one that you could sort of draw a parallel with Eraserhead. You know what I mean? And then. The bubbly one that could sort of like the bubbly female one that could sort of play the role of, a, of Mike, and then you have the glue one, like the one that's like kind of like their champ. You know what I mean? That million kind of like fell out of it, was knocked out. It's just interesting to me, and had that parental kind of like tone to him too. Lemillion has that caretaker kind of tone because you see him, um, you see him taken on with with the girl with the horn. I, I'm sorry, I forget her name. But he does treat her sort of in a parental way, doesn't he? Like, he's he's by her side all the time and kind of taking care of her and bonding with her while um, while she recovers emotionally, you know, now that she's still mostly covered physically, like, he's there helping her recover emotionally. So, I don't know, there's that three there, there's a three here, and there's the three main heroes that have been, like, 
really highlighted in like getting to know each other's family and stuff like that and spending time specifically with each other it just it seems like too much of a pattern that they've specifically set three people aside three times now I mean, I see it, but at the same time, I like I, I don't believe that any one of the, the three we have right now, nothing like we're not gonna lose somebody like we've had all the other times. So I highly, I, I highly doubt that because I don't see anybody amongst the three Deku, Bakugo, and Todoroki. I don't see them. I don't see any one of them actually like getting uh, either getting a court taken away or just one of them dying. Think about just... how powerful it would be for the storyline if Todoroki died right now, with the focus they've had on Endeavor. And the focus they've had on the three senior teachers, like, having lost somebody, it would be a really, really powerful, like, story I just don't see it, though. Because, like, you have to, like, you have to have a legitimate reason, and I mean a legitimate one, because, like, Toroki <laughs> is freaking powerful. Nothing could take him out easily. But that's why it's, that's why it's powerful. Like, All Might got taken out, too, kind of, you know? Like, it would be powerful. Yeah, but he, but Tor like... Like All Might had like an Achilles heel. He couldn't be in his he couldn't be in his hero state for too long. Toroki doesn't have that Ach Achilles heel. I don't think you could probably make a make a make a heel on him as his, his his emotion towards his family, but you would have to know him like on a personal level to be able to to draw on that. Well, if thousands of Nomus are attacking and he's one of the few that can stop the Nomu from regenerating with his fire quirk. And we've already seen that, like, there was at least one time where Endeavor hesitated for a moment, and the three of them had to run in and take over. Like, if Todoroki was the only one that could stop something, with how humble he is and with how little he thinks of himself, he would totally make the sacrifice play to save the day. And if it was, like, if it was being built up as a season finale moment or something like that, or even a series finale, then it would make sense that, like, that would be maybe, like, one of the last episodes in the whole my hero academia and you've said that the storyline is wrapping up so that would be a really powerful thing to have as part of like storyline wrapping up wouldn't it i mean in in the manga he's i don't know where i don't know how i don't know how close to me he said he's already in this he's already in the final stages of the story like so right. i just don't i just don't see them killing Todoroki, and i i just don't they see it happening I, they will not kill midoriya I, don't don't want, I mean, well, I mean, you say that, but I mean, like, usually if they have if they kill a main character, there's another stage to the, the to the arc for that right. character. He I doesn't stay dead. He just he comes back to life. But um, I don't see them killing Midoriya. Um, I they could kill Bakugo, but I feel like Todoroki is the one that has the most story impact. I I think that Todoroki going down would like hit every single hero and make for a truly tragic storyline. I just, just don't see him dying making sense. It does make sense from a writer's perspective. It makes sense that he would make the sacrifice play during the attack of... As powerful as he is, he has limitations. He doesn't succeed on everything. And we have thousands of Nomu possibly coming, or thousands of something enemy coming. And if it's a Nomu and, he has, and he's one of the only ones that can destroy them, it makes absolute sense for his personality for him to step forward make the sacrifice play and do the noble thing because that's what he always does he's very noble he's very like humble and he's very like ready to be a real hero and it would be from a writing standpoint it would be really powerful is it the best choice i don't know i'll have to see what to do 
but it would be a very powerful option given how it would impact all the characters, how it would impact Eraserhead and Endeavor and, and all the other characters. You know what I mean? And the fact that we've been getting to everything. I, I mean, I'm I hearing you, but I, I'm still saying it doesn't, to me, it doesn't make any sense. And if they did it, I, I like, I, I, they, Todoroki Rose is a character for me from another show that I, I really didn't, I really enjoy and I didn't enjoy how they killed him. And I really don't want them doing that here because it would really, I honestly, it, and I mean, you know me, it, it takes a lot to, for me to say this, but honestly, I'd probably have a hard time watching the show. At that point, either I would, I would either, be, either be negative to every review, or I would probably stop watching altogether. It's if one of those. I, if they I, do it, I think it's going to be like a like series finale. I think it's going to be one of the absolute last episodes ever, and then you're going to watch it because it's you know it's over, and you want to see how people react to it. I don't know. I just don't think a death from a, of, a, of a main character is the way the series is going to end. Especially considering how Deku said he's going to become the number one hero, that doesn't sound like a, a guy who lost something. A best friend or something like that. It doesn't sound like a guy who's lost somebody. Then again, it could be Deku in the far, far, far future after the death, after the death happened. I don't know. I just don't. I mean, they would have to really make it make sense to, to me. Like They would have to do some serious build-up, show me that they're intending to kill him. Because typically, they let you know they're going to kill somebody. If you don't pick up on it the first time. They typically let you know that someone's dying. But so far, nobody... The only person I can see dying is Endeavor. At this point, because of all the stuff that's happening with him right now. And to me, him dying probably make like, more sense to me, in my opinion. Because, like, I mean, like with, you talk about impact. I feel like in, Endeavor... Like dying would probably have an impact on everybody around him, even the people who didn't have a positive impact from him in the past. Maybe, maybe him dying would be the be, be the way for them to resolve their issues. They'd probably be sad if he were to pass, but at the same time, it's like at this point, that's where Endeavor has stuck himself. Yeah, that makes sense. There probably is another way around it, but it's like you know, right right now, all I see the path forward I see for him is like a, an atonement would be for him to die in the in the in the in the, in the middle of a fight. Maybe protecting his, maybe protecting his son. You know, the last one that wants anything to do with him right now. But I don't know. Like I mean, like I said before, they would have to really build up Shoto Todoroki is dying. They would really have to do some serious. Like they would have to start building up from it now, for me to, to me for me to even try to accept accept, uh, accept the death. Well, I mean, it just, it seems like from the, the English teacher and me, you know what I mean? The writer's perspective, the meta, seems like they're, they're building up a path where that would make sense from a writing perspective. Am I thrilled about the idea of it happening? I don't know. Like I said, I'd have to see how they handle it. But from writing, a writer, as a writer, I could see why, how the things are being set up for that to be a possibility. 
I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I feel like I like I make I, I like to make comics. And I understand the point. Sometimes, as a as a as a writer, you make a character specifically. Sometimes you know the character is gonna die when you first make the character. Other times, the character you make the character and you don't ever you, you don't intend to kill him, but you get yourself in a situation where the character dying would make a lot of sense. Like either because you made you made a threat that's too strong and the character you have right now is not strong enough, and if you if you were to somehow pull a uh, pull a win out of your out of your, out of your uh, metaphorical uh, hat, it would make a lot of people upset. So the only other way around it is for the character to die or to get nearly killed. You know, there's no easy way around it. But um, I don't know. I just like I I I I'm legitimately you you bring up points, and I agree with your point. But since I just have a I, I legitimately have a hard time believing that they're gonna kill him. Yeah. Like that is, that is my legitimate like standpoint. I really have a hard time. Now things in the future might change that opinion, but I like I find it really difficult, and, I, and none of this is based on facts. I just like I just I just I had this feeling that they're not gonna kill him. Maybe it'll just really hurt him or something. Maybe he'll get knocked out of commission for a long time and get. But I feel like things are very well set up right now. I, mean, I feel like a death is imminent, but I just don't think it's. <laughs> Yeah, it wouldn't be powerful. This is gonna sound weird, but it wouldn't be potent enough for Bakugo because, like, everybody's still kind of in the process of bonding with him. It's not from a writer standpoint. It's not time to kill Bakugo. Like, he has too much of a character arc to complete. I mean, technically speaking, he could have completed his character arc at some point, and we just didn't see it. And we'll see it as he's about to die. But I will agree. I don't think from from an enjoyment from an enjoyment perspective, Bakugo dying right now isn't the most enjoyable. And right. Yeah, he still has to like. He still has to like uh, improve. He still needs to. He still needs to meet best genus. We need to see that play out. Mm-hmm. Um, they set that yes. up. Todoroki dying would greatly advance the plot, the character development of many other characters. It would be a big catalyst for like advancing things for a lot of the characters. And we know people do die in this. We've seen some people go. You know, so. It's not impossible. We just haven't killed a student. That's like crossing a new line a lot. Killing a student, like for the censors alone, you know, a, a child dying is a big thing to think about. Um, I can't think of an anime where a child died, you know. So that makes me think maybe he'll just get really hurt. But I mean, I got enough. one, and it's the one I still hate to this very day. <laughs> Which that's is? where that's where a lot of this is coming from. Uh, Naruto, Shippuden. Technically speaking, they're teenagers when he dies, but technically speaking, it was a death of a kid. Yeah. Endeavor could die too. I just think that Todoroki is more central. I mean, I say Endeavor dying makes sense, but at the same time, it's like he, he he still hasn't completed his transformation either. But uh, I feel like he's closer I mean, to finishing it than Baku is. His like personality to like die and then. Sh- shock the family and shock Todoroki and and all of a sudden now we don't even have the number two hero and Hawks is, is not really a good number one hero and you know what I mean? Like Hawks would be kind of a crap number one hero. So I think it's t- actually too disruptive for Endeavor to die. I think it would take too much stability out of like the hero base. Like I think All Might have been forced into retirement by wiping himself out was the displacement we needed to make an interesting plot. I think that 
him going would just be too much. It would be chaos. I mean, hypothetically, how about we go into hypothetical here? Like, uh, I feel like even though Endeavors definitely not have a huge significant um, placement on some characters, I feel like it would definitely affect Shoto a lot, heck of a lot more. And I, I say that because even though Shoto hates his father of all his being, he spent the most, if he's the only character besides his mother who spent the most time with Endeavor because of really sucky situations. But, um,. He's the only character who spent any time with him, and um, and Shoto has even uh, com uh, commented on the fact that the Endeavor hero, the hero Endeavor, is cool. He hates his father. That's a, that's a significant that's a significant split. Um, like uh, for a character like him to take in the first place, which is kind of funny because he's kind of a split character himself with the split powers, but um. He makes a comment. He makes a, he makes it very uh, evident that he, he likes the hero Endeavor. So like in a really funny way, if Endeavor would to would to die, he probably wouldn't recognize his father dying, but he would recognize the hero dying, and it probably would push him forward. Even like maybe even blur the line a little bit, and him attacking out of frustration and sadness, because he'd be confused in his own mind, which in theory could make him weak enough to be killed by somebody. Yeah. So if they were to kill him, I, I feel like they would need to kill somebody first that was close to him, quote unquote, to make him to make him weak enough to be killed. And I say weak, quote unquote, is like I mean like him mentally being unstable. I feel like that's really the really realistically the only way you could probably get him in a situation where he could get killed because he need to be mentally unstable. We we or, we've we've seen him. Or he kills Vegeta, you know, and like runs in and blows himself up. I don't. Th I, well, I mean, I know you don't mean really blow himself up, but I don't. I. I was going to say, I, do, he's, I don't think his abilities allow him to blow himself up. <laughs> what I mean is, like, literally, like. Yeah, I, I, I know, but I'd say I don't think I was. I was going to go the literal route with that. I, like, I don't think his abilities allow, allow him to blow himself up. Yeah. I mean, he could like heat himself up to the point where his skin starts melting and thin human combustion takes over. But I mean. I just feel like maybe they would have to make him mentally unstable for it to work, in my opinion. Like, that's the way, if you're going to kill the student, you would have to find some way to make him mentally unstable. Because he's more stable now than he was in the past. We've seen him unstable at his worst when he was um, during the tournament in Season 2. He's like, you said, oh, snap, I'm sorry. I lost my, I lost my thought process when he let out the ice, when he did that huge iceberg and, co and covered half the stadium. Yeah. That was after him talking with talking with his father, and he he wasn't he was upset. We saw he was unstable there, so we know he can be mentally unstable. So I feel like that's probably the only true way to make that work. Um, if they were gonna they were wanting to use Todoroki as a way to push the story forward, I think they would need to kill him. They need to kill his father first and then kill him. Yeah. That's at least that's what I think anyway. But um But it all it all feels like it makes a lot of sense to us. But yeah, I don't know. I think this is amazing that like the whole episode right now is that I think that they set up the three people and the fact that we have opened up a whole can of worms as far as like the fact that they can make think like 
even if they can't raise the dead, they can like take something and reconstruct it and sort of like warp or reverse its mind and program it so that it has to shut down if it goes too far out of like what it's allowed to do and basically have like not necessarily a mindless clone but a clone that i mean a mindless drone but someone that can only do like whose actions are restricted to what they're able to do um and even have like personality like the personality of what they were in life just flipped to the dark side or the dark side emphasized as we saw with someone that started you so that's really powerful and that's a way to take a recruit you know that's maybe weak we've already seen them enhance some of that performance enhancing drug thing but now we have a whole new way that they by um transforming them into a completely loyal you know what i mean drone thing so I think that's unbelievably powerful. And I think that we're going to have to see a lot more of it. Yeah, I mean, um, I also want to bring up something before we move on um, with the rest of the episode. Uh, I find it kind of funny uh, that, uh, well, not funny, I find it interesting that, like, um, one of one of the main things when he introduced the Razorhead was the fact that his, like, eyes get really dry when he uses his power. But this man was crying um, while he was trying to keep Kurigiri under control, I'm guessing. Uh-huh. And after it's all said and done, and you know, Razor turns his turns his cork off. President Mike says, "They, hey, is your, are your eyes all right?" It's like he just says, "No, they're incredibly dry." But we see that his eye—he was crying. I just thought it was kind of funny. It pointed in a in a really weird way that, like, even though he cries, he can't moisten his eyes. And I had always assumed that because he get, he had chronic dry eye, he couldn't cry. So if I see him cry here, it was actually an interesting thing to find out is that he can cry yeah i had always known he couldn't because he just had dry eyes because your, your eyes don't produce the, the the stuff needed to make eye um eye drops when well, i just but like eye, uh, tears so it's actually interesting that seeing that it looks like the quirk didn't in um the quirk didn't impede his ability to cry so maybe it's more his... we've seen emotion take over with him We've seen him have attachment before, you know, or a soft spot. But in this one, like, he took off his, like, equipment to, like, look at the guy with his real eyes and, you know, and limit his power because I'm sure those ability to keep his eyes open. Like, he became, like, very, very vulnerable around this. Well, I think what had happened there is that he he reverted to his, uh, he reverted to his kid age. He reverted to his age when, when he was alive. Because if you actually look at him, like, while his, his quirk was on, we have a full frontal view. He looks younger there. It might just be the animation. But he looks younger there for uh, really no reason other than maybe they're trying to... They're trying to get you... A, they're trying to, like, get a good view of him here. Because it didn't look like he had his, like... I mean, he didn't have much facial hair to begin with as an adult. But, I mean, from that, from that dead point of view, I couldn't even see it. He looked like he turned... 16 again uh, only for a second yeah but yeah I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean granted we, we see where the goggles come from and I think that's really where the emotion started setting foot anyways because he was remembering all the good times he had with them yeah so I don't know and plus given him that he's kind of the Batman series cry and lose control of himself as emotionally was like a big big moment 
I so mean, what does this mean going forward? Is this just a will this will uh, Kokogiri like or Kogiri or whatever like will he become important in the future or is this just all they're going to get from him for now? And it was just I think that I think he was just a teaser to uh, well, first yeah. of all. We come from there, and we see that um, one of the lines that One for All sp spouted, which, again, we're coming to the point that all forms never lied to anybody. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, he's only ever told the truth, and he's, I mean, he's twisted it, but at the same time, he's only ever really told the truth for his own twisted gains, which is crazy. Like, he's been alive this long, he's been, he hasn't, as far as we know, hasn't really told a lie yet that we know of. Um... So he says here, like, you know, they ask him, what are you doing here? Like, in UA, he said, like, UA just happens to have, like, the best produce for me to pick from. I'm just like, and that's that's how he even got Ouroboro in the first place. It kind mm -hmm. of, like, it, it's kind of seen that UA is just not a safe place. And we've kind of already been seeing this since season one. Like, the yeah. first season, they got attacked. It's like, and I, I thought maybe it was just coincidence that they're having all these attacks happen. But anywhere that UA has gone, they've just not been safe. They they went to um, they they went to camp. That was like the biggest like unsafe step they ever took. I mean, Bakugo got kidnapped, which set in the motion that they needed to have college dorms. But well, we ha they haven't had the dorms be attacked yet. But we have to know that. I mean, granted, they said that no one knows where the location of this place is, but we still have that mole to contend with. So like. We don't know who this mole is. Where this mole is, like, where this mole is, what this mole is doing. Uh, if this mole is working for like the villain hero on um, the League of Villains, or he's just a separate agent. It's good. It's a bunch of things we don't know of yet. It's making this like, pretty making the dorms even un, even even less safe. Like, so far they haven't attacked because they haven't had a reason to. But because like he's actually shopping around for um, people to turn into gnomus, it's it's getting kind of scary. Now we know that we have a UA student who died, quote unquote, and turned into a gnomu afterwards, and was quite intelligent. He managed to keep some parts of his personality like that, uh, like a uh, like high end did. Like it just—it's I guess it's kind of crazy to, to think that this is what's been happening, you know, under their noses the entire time, and they're only—they're only catching wind of it now, ten years later. Like, imagine how many people he could have turned into Nomus in that time. Who else disappeared from UA and they, no one thought to search for him? I don't think Kuragiri means anything because I don't know if Hishirakuma is going to mean anything in the future. Who knows? Um, the fact that it looks like Azawa almost broke through to him tells me that he's got to still be in there somewhere. Um, comes to brings up the whole concept of souls. What do they mean in this universe? But uh, to answer your question, I don't really know what Kurigiri means. I don't think he's important for anything later. But I, last time he disappeared, I didn't think he was important for anything, and look where he is now. <laughs> So I don't even know anymore. I thought it was like a big, big loss when they lost him. It's interesting because they did say, um, I don't know, they, they did go on and on about him when he was, about how it was a rare, um, a rare skill that he had. And 
we find out from this that they were able to create like a new hard to get quirk by combining several other quirks like they mentioned that yeah man I mean, that brings like what what was Ouroboros base quirk and like then what did they fuse in it because like Kuro Gear yeah. is the first Nomu that they have they said that they, they very visibly said that he has one quirk but it, it was only a fusion of other quirks all the other Nomus are uh, Nomu wild animals with multiple abilities in them right so I mean but the other ones are overloaded with quirks and become like more mach more like Automatron, automatron, than like person at that point, but I don't know. I just think that it's kind of like wild. Do you know what I mean? Like that they can sort of, if they're clever enough, they can make a brand new um, quirk out of something that wasn't really. Up to this point, I had assumed that they hadn't met, hit a uh, one for all hadn't uh, hadn't achieved what he was trying to do, but I think Kurogiri is the proof that he had already achieved it. Yeah. How um, many times he can achieve it is a question, but it's certainly on the list. He's achieved it once. I'm pretty sure he achieved it more than once. There's no way he didn't achieve it more than once. Who, who, whoever, whoever else it is, I don't really know. Mm -hmm. Um, shoot. But I guess with that, uh, we're getting close to the end of the episode here, and um, well, one little thing. It, you see uh, another big room of numbers created. I think you, I don't remember that, but I think you're right. Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's not a long flash, but in my recording, it's like it's around like twenty three, thirty two or something like that, or thirty four maybe. They show a few seconds of like a bunch of gnomos being created. Yeah, I guess before we get to that, because that's the preview. Um, I guess we're we're going like I'm only gonna mention this, but um, but uh, after they found out information about Kiragiri, they call uh, they, they call the people who Hawks works with, and and those people call Hawks to tell them uh, about the hospital, because um, during all that time that like uh, that as I was interrogating uh Ouroboro, he tell him who did this to you. He said the hospital, and then we cut from that to the guy who I've had a problem with since episode one. <laughs> This doctor, who, by the way, I'm gonna say it now because Josh's gonna say it any minute now. He looks like Doctor Eggman. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> move, moving on from that, I've had a problem with this man since episode one because his his explanation for why Deku didn't have an ability makes absolutely no sense. And it and for me, it's even more prevalent because he's been working with All for Ones since day one. Mm -hmm. He's either been working for or with him, and this explains how one for all, uh, all for one was able to scout these quirks to begin with because he's just one man. It, it didn't make much sense logistically how he was able to scout people for these quirks. I mean, yeah, he has a he has a charisma, but charisma can only get you so far. I've always wondered how he was able to get around and get these abilities because the abilities he has on him are so freaking rare that you wouldn't just stumble upon them in UA. I mean, you could, hypothetically, but I, I highly doubt it. Because if all for one is as old as we think he is, then UA didn't exist when he was, uh, when he was way, 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 two hours later, way, 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 oh, younger. <laughs> but this doctor, 
I didn't trust him when I first saw him, and I'm glad I didn't. Um, but I guess speak, going over this doctor, we see that he's shocking somebody, and we find out that he's shocked treatment, uh, a Shigaraki, and this is literally scary. I have, uh, I think that is like the equivalent of a death chair, but he's not, they're not trying to kill him. They're Frankensteining him, I'm telling you. I mean, from the episode, his first introduction, and we we kind of been getting like hints that he's trying to give Shigaraki more quirks, but that is crazy. <laughs> like when when he comes out of that, he's gonna be insane <laughs> if he isn't already. <laughs> yeah. You you don't you don't get that kind of treatment and come out unscathed mentally. <laughs> no, I think that's the point of the treatment. I'm just saying that it's just like that. That that only looks painful. Is that's probably just, that is we hadn't seen him and we now know why where he's been the entire time. He's been on the shock table. <laughs> so uh, we got confirmation about where the heck rock has been. But I guess with that, we also got the confirmation in the next episode title, which is my hero vigilante. Well, my vigilant. Wait, my. Let me look. Let me get the title real quick because I'm gonna give it to me. I can deliver that. What the name of the episode was, but um, it's apparently the start of the arc that everybody that who's read the manga is a well well aware of. Apparently, I don't know how important this part this arc is, but apparently it's very important. Um, it looks like we're going to be focusing on what the villains have been doing the entire time, which is one of them probably making all those dang no moves that Jock brought up. I'm actually waiting for the scene to pop up, and we see Gigantomachia. Uh, oh. You know, I didn't... Wow, that was... They were on screen longer than I thought they were. <laughs> those those no moves were on, were on screen longer than I thought they were. <laughs> yeah, it was a good long time. I must have not been paying attention to them. <laughs> My Villain Academia. Yeah, that's the name of the episode. Uh, <laughs> apparently, we're going to be seeing the villains learn, which I guess is actually kind of cool. You get to see them get better. Uh, to provide the other heroes a better fight. Say so, that was a that was a pretty good episode. We saw a lot more of Aizawa this this time, which is always a welcome sight. We saw more present Mike too, which I always welcome. Uh, we got a little slice of life out of the out of the UA students, which is also always welcome. Uh. They kind of progressed the story a little bit more. I didn't expect Kurigiri to be um, uh, important for the plot, but hey, who isn't important for the plot at this point? Nobody. <laughs> like, I literally thought when he got captured, I was like, if we didn't hear from him again, he wasn't important. <laughs> like, nope. Kind of makes me, now I'm actually kind of excited about, like, you know, gentlemen's like, inclusion if he's going to come back. Cause his story arc didn't get completed, and neither did Stains. And I, I actually been seeing stuff around that apparently Stain is coming back in the manga at some point, uh, for reasons I don't know. Cause Google likes to show me things that I like decide to avoid all the dang time, and it keeps on doing it too. I have no way of stopping it. It keeps what? Google keeps on showing me recommendations for things, and it usually includes stuff from My Hair Academia. Because it knows I'm watching it. 
spooky. But I guess with that, uh, I guess we don't have much more to talk about. Next week is going to be a three-episode header. Uh, two episodes of Shaman King going to be watched alongside these. I guess look out for that. Um, and er thanks, everybody, for watching. Whoever downloads these episodes, we'll greatly appreciate it. And we will see you next time. Thanks a lot.